The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word. And say, hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say we are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. Go now to my place that was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and when I spoke, you persistently, you persistently, you did not listen. And when I called to you, you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house that is called by my name and in which you trust and to the place that I gave to you and to your fathers as I did to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight as I cast out all your kinsmen, all the offspring of Ephraim. As for you, do not pray for this people or lift up a cry or a prayer for them and do not intercede for me with me for I will not hear you. Do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the Queen of Heaven. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. Is it I whom they provoke, declares the Lord? Is it not themselves to their own shame? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place, upon man and beast, upon the trees of the field and the fruit of the ground. It will burn and not be quenched. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings to your sacrifices and eat the flesh. For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this command I gave them, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the way that I command you, that it may be well with you. But they did not obey, or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels, and the stubbornness of the evil of their hearts, and went backward, not forward. From the day that your fathers came out of the land of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all my servants, the prophets, to them, day after day. Yet they did not listen to me, or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. So you shall speak all these words to them, but they will not listen to you. You shall call to them, 
but they will not answer you. And you shall say to them, This is the nation that did not obey the voice of the Lord their God and did not accept discipline. Truth has perished. It is cut off from their lips. The second part of the reading is just a few pages over in chapter 9, and we'll be reading from verse 23 to 26. Chapter 9, verse 23. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. Egypt, Judah, Edom, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all who dwell in the desert, who cut the corners of their hair. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, morning, brothers and sisters. Good to be with you. Uh, let's take a moment to pray to God, asking for his help. Uh, before we turn our attention back to Jeremiah chapter 7. Heavenly Father, your word is light unto our feet and lamp unto our path. Please enlighten the eyes of our hearts this hour that we may walk in your truth and unite our hearts to fear your name for Jesus' glory. In whose name we pray. Amen. Uh, Have you ever believed a lie? Um, Who hasn't, I hear you say. Uh, Who hasn't, from time to time, taken in by the deceptive marketing of Amazon Prime? Or who hasn't, from time to time, um, fall for the um, empty promises of your local politician? Or for many of you, in your case, your business partners? Uh, Sadly, for some of us, we have been let down by lies of those uh, who are dear to us. Now, of course, we're not innocent victims when it comes to lying. Uh, We too have all told lies. Uh, Is there anyone who hasn't told lies here before? Uh, Apparently, uh, I don't know how they study these things, um, but one study suggests that on average, a man tells about 100,000 lies over a lifespan, and women, on average, about 65,000 lies. That's a big discrepancy, isn't it? That's a difference of 35,000 lies. And I read this study and I thought, that's a lie. (laughs) It's got to be the other way around. Now, in all seriousness, lies are a wretched fact of life and they do immeasurable harm. Now, what's the problem with lying? Some of you might be thinking... Uh, what's, why, why being so serious about lying? If you aren't convinced that lying is bad, uh, listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 44. Uh, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus is speaking about Satan here. In other words, he's saying lies are satanic. The devil was the inventor of the lie from the beginning, and when you lie, you're following in the footsteps of no other than Satan. Every lie and the damage that lies bring comes from the devil. Now, while all lies are serious because God is truth and he never lies, Titus chapter 1 verse 2, 
The worst lies are those that deny the greatest truth. So the Apostle John puts it in this way. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? 1 John 2.22. A lie that denies a truth as great as the gospel of Jesus Christ is bad indeed. It's, It's evil. There is no other way to put it. And that is why, actually, if you ever wondered, the New Testament letters contain so much warning and harsh things to say about false teachers and deception and lies. Uh, It's not just for the sake of uh, doctrinal nitpicking. Uh, For instance, just just a few examples. uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, with lying. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Or 2 Peter 2, 1, but false prophets, literally, but lying men also arose among the people, just as there will be lying teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. So much is at stake. Uh, the, the two ways to live. Um, either you live by God's truth, New Testament says, or you live in Satan's lies. There's no middle way. Lies that deny the truth about God are serious and has disastrous consequences. And that is the situation Jerusalem found themselves in the time of Jeremiah. Uh, The problem of lies about God is emphasized in the chapters that we are covering today in Jeremiah chapter 7 to 10. A Hebrew word for deceit or lying is sheker. Uh, sometimes translated as deceptive words here, other times as a lie or simply as false. No other book in the Old Testament uses this word more than Jeremiah, 34 times all up, and one-third of its occurrences appear in these three chapters, 7 to 10. Uh, Later, another third between chapter 27 to 29, battle between the lying prophet Hananiah and uh, the true prophet Jeremiah. Now, we count how many times deceptive words or lying are mentioned. Uh, Chapter 7, verse 4, twice in chapter 7, verse 8, twice in chapter 8, verse 8, 8, 10, 9, 3, 9, 5, 10, 4. Uh, When you remember what Israel was called to be, go back all the way to Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, set apart people who live in the truth of God and declare the excellencies of God. This is a sad state of affairs, isn't it? Instead of becoming a holy nation, um, to borrow the Apostle Paul's language in the New Testament, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creatures rather than the Creator. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 25. I, I-, I wonder... Uh, whether that that, that was one verse summary of the Apostle Paul as he looked back on the 400 years of Israel Kingdom's Old Testament history. They exchanged truth about God for a lie. Uh, What happened? Uh, How did people who received so much goodness from God uh, come to such a position, exchanging truth about God for a lie? Well, let's pick it up, the passage from chapter 7, verse 3, and think about it together. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
Amend your ways and your deeds, and I'll let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words, the lies. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Uh, what are they going on about? The temple of the Lord? Uh, we need to remember uh, Jerusalem was no ordinary city. Another uh, name for Jerusalem was City of David. And David is no ordinary man. He's a man after God's own heart. 2 Samuel chapter 7, God promises David, you're my chosen one. I'm going to establish your kingdom. You're a special possession. And as a sign of God's presence and protection and blessing, the temple, uh, the dwelling place of God, was built upon the eastern hill of the Jerusalem. So there are psalms that sing about Jerusalem's unique status, and at its very heart of its specialness is the temple. Uh, uh, just one example, take one example from Psalm 48, and let me just read out the first five verses. Great is Yahweh and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. Uh, Jerusalem is nothing less than God's city. It is the capital city, his holy mountain, the temple mount. It's beautiful in elevation. It's the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king, within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. For behold, uh, the, the kings of the nations assembled, they came on together, but as soon as they saw the temple, <laughs> they panicked. They couldn't penetrate into it. Uh, so, hallelujah, Psalm 48, Zion, the temple mount, is indestructible. Uh, remember Sennacherib, that great king of Assyria, he thought he could take Jerusalem over and came to attack us, but he was defeated at the gate of this very temple at the hands of King Hezekiah not too long ago. Uh, this is the reason why the southern kingdom Judah still stands today, whilst the northern kingdom has already been demolished by Assyria 100 years ago. If you visited a church or a Bible college in Jerusalem at the time of Jeremiah, now there wasn't one, but let's say if there was, equivalent of, you know, more college, Newtown, the center of Sydney, uh, um, you know, Jerusalem, you go to Bible college, this is the kind of false theology and the false preaching you'd have heard. But while they claimed the temple's specialness and security, they had forsaken the Lord of the temple. Now listen to what God says about them and their false lying theology in chapter 7, verse 8. Behold, you trust in these deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, go after other gods that you have not known? And then you'll come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. Uh, as believers, it's really worth noting here that these deceptive lies had its source in the scriptures. See that? Um, the devil is a theologian. The devil is a preacher, uh, though he's a heretic. You know, he's like that prosperity gospel preacher picking a verse here and verse there out of context to make it what he wants to say to satisfy the itching ears of people. 
Now, Satan has no appeal of his own. Anything attractive, beautiful, or good in this creation comes from our maker. So only way Satan can deceive people is by using and abusing God's gift and God's word. Uh, Satan is the ultimate parasite, and his lies are parasitic. And that's what Satan sought to do with Jesus in the wilderness. Remember that? Tempting Jesus with food, quoting the scriptures. And here we see him doing the same in the time of Jeremiah, appealing to the temple, ritual, sacrifices, probably quoting Psalms like Psalm 48, Psalm 46, remember Sennacherib, Hezekiah, and so on. And this is why, brothers and sisters, we must be people who know and who are committed to the truth. Uh, People who are devoted, as as Paul says in, in the pastoral epistles, devoted to the public reading of the scriptures. Or in Ephesians, uh, a a gathering of God's people who are uh, committed to speaking the truth in love to one another, every member. Or Colossians, uh, uh, letting the word of God dwell richly among us so that we stand against this deceptive, false theology of Satan. So we worship God in spirit and in truth. But people of God in Jeremiah's time exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Listen to these sobering words down in verse 28 of chapter 7. God says, these people who are called to be kingdom of praise, but truth has perished from my people. People claimed God's protection without ever properly acknowledging God in their lives breaking all ten commandments. They gave lip service to God while their hearts were far from God. That's what Jesus said, and that's what Isaiah said before Jeremiah. That's what Jesus said after Jeremiah about the temple. They thought playing religion, performing rituals, offering sacrifices were enough, but only had they paid attention to the truth of the Old Testament scriptures because throughout the Old Testament, God speaks again and again, that what he truly desires is not mere offering of sacrifices, but rather humble and genuine hearing of God's word and obedience that stems from the heart. For instance, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, Psalm 51, 16 to 19, Isaiah 1, 11, Hosea 6, 6, just to name a few reference for you. So have a look at it in your own time. You see... Religion was certainly practiced during the time of Jeremiah. See? Uh, uh, um, Translated into our time, people went to church. Church attendance wasn't a problem in the time of Jeremiah. But while they went to church, there was no humble hearing of the word of God. See, uh, down in verse 23, they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and stubbornness of their evil hearts. People went to church, but there was no a serious repentance of sin and brokenness of the spirit before God. Uh, Down in verse 26, they did not listen to me, nor incline their ear, 
Rather, they stiffen their neck. Uh, Satan likes to use religion to lead people away from God because I think there is an element of truth uh, and goodness that religious activities give people. You see, um, I think this is one of the reasons why things like Zen Buddhism is very popular in our days. Uh, religious activity, this sort of, you know, meditation and, and, and this kind of form of spiritual activity, whatever they mean by it, gives a sense of, I think, uh, personal peace, personal shalom, uh, direction in life. It gives a sense of order, discipline, and with that, a level of self-righteousness. You see, I'm not a superficial material people like all the other people out there. You know, I'm engaged with this higher level of being and this you know, feeling and knowing these mysterious, unknown realms. So religion helps to cope with life with sense of direction or peace or whatever that may be, and even a hint of hope for the future. If there is a God, well, at least I've been religious, right? If there is a God, at least I can say, I went to church. I went to church, even though um, my heart wasn't really in it. I went to church and sang songs, even though I didn't believe a single word that I sang. I went to church and listened to the sermon, even though that sermon never made any difference or relevance to my life between Monday to Saturday. And now when you put it that way, Jerusalem's trusting in lies doesn't seem too far from our world today, does it? But God will not be mocked by appearance of godliness. Uh, see that in verse 11. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I see it, declares the Lord. You might be able to fool other people with your religious uh, uh, show, but not God. God sees, and God sees the truth about us. God likens the people of Israel to robbers who hide in a cave after their crime. And God says, guess what? I found your hiding place. You think that's safe? I know where you are. And he says uh, in verse 12, go now to my place that was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. God reminds what he had done already in Israel's history back in 1 Samuel chapter 4. Shiloh was, in a sense, uh, Jerusalem before Jerusalem. When they first entered into the promised land, remember our series in Joshua and Judges and so on, uh, um, before the temple was built in Jerusalem as a permanent dwelling place of God, Ark of Covenant was placed in Shiloh. And Israel thought, we got the Ark, no problem, Philistines. But rather, God handed over Israelites and the Ark of Covenant into Philistines because of the wickedness of his people. And he put to death sons of Eli, the high priest. Israel should have learned from their history. Uh, but they haven't. Why? Because there was no humble and genuine hearing of the word of God. 
they exchange the truth about God for a lie. And so easy to do, so deceptive. Only picking and choosing what I want from God, from God's word, rather than submitting myself to the authority of God's word. And God says, uh, verse 13, And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and when I spoke to you, persistently you did not listen. And when I called you, you did not answer. Therefore, I'll do to the house that is called by my name and in which you trust and to the place that I gave to you, to your fathers, as I did to Shiloh. I'll cast you out of my sight as I cast out all your kinsmen, all the offspring of Ephraim. Uh, That's the northern kingdom. God says he'll expose these deceptive lies for what they are. Uh, He'll destroy it. You know, that's what happens to lies. Uh, Lies evaporate. It has no legs in the end because it's not true. All lies about God will be shown for what they are, worthless on the day of God's judgment. Uh, One of Satan's deceptive lies from the beginning of time through Jeremiah's time down to our present age is that you will not face God's judgment. Remember that, that, that lie from the very beginning? That, that satanic, false, heretical theology? You shall not surely die, Eve. Do according to what fits your eye. You can eat of the knowledge of good and evil. And whenever you hear, um, you know, he's lived a decent life, he'll be at a better place, uh, you're hearing Satan preaching. Jerusalem in the time of Jeremiah trusted in this satanic lie and the consequences were disastrous. Listen to these chilling words in verse 16. As for you, do not pray for these people or lift up a cry or prayer for them. Uh, Do not intercede with me about these people, about this matter, because I'll not hear you. Uh, It sounds harsh, but God's judgment fits the crime. Um, They won't hear God, therefore God will not hear them. Uh, They sought to dishonor God, now God will put them to shame. There is no turning back now. Judgment is irreversible for Jerusalem. Uh, If any of you are accustomed to the lie, there is always tomorrow, or I'll think about this after such and such has passed. The truth is, there is such a thing as too late. It was the case for the people of Judah in Jeremiah's time, and the warning holds for all of us today. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It comes out in one of the two ways to live boxes. It is appointed for a man to die once, then after to face God's judgment. You die once, and there is no turning back but to face God's judgment. A Hebrews writer says, today, if you hear his voice, 
Do not harden your heart. After death, we all must appear before the throne of God's judgment and give an account for the lives that we have lived. Only one life. How will you use it? What will God say about your life today? What is the truth about your life? Whilst the message of judgment sounds harsh, it is still a message of mercy, a severe mercy. God confronts us with a severe warning so that if any of us are taken by these deceptive lies, we will wake up, right? We'll wake up and then turn to him in repentance and obedience. Uh, hearing God's voice, the one who never lies. You, see, you can always listen to God, trusting that he never lies, and submitting ourselves to his truth is the only antidote against the deceptive lies of the evil one. Uh, come across to chapter 9, verse 23. That's the last point of today's passage, uh, today's talk. Uh, this is how Jeremiah's temple sermon ends after pronouncing the irreversible judgment in chapter 7, verse 14 to 9, 22. Chapter 9, verse 23. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich boast in his riches. Uh, to boast is to put your confidence and trust. You know, it, it's what you live by. Uh, intelligence, power, money. They are the three things most people put their trust for their life and life security, aren't they? Uh, if you are successful or popular, that will make you happy. Uh, if you are rich, Rich enough to own a house in Sydney. Um, if you have the right job, prestige, access to the right people, powerful people through social networking, then you will be set for life. God says, it's a lie. Don't boast in those. It's another of Satan's parasitic deception. And that, now, to be very clear, intelligence, power, money, they're not evil in and of themselves. Again, they're good gifts from God. Um, if God has given it to you, thanks be to God, learn to be humble and be generous with it. 1 Timothy 6. But we must always uh, hold, those, hold on to those things with a sense of detachment. That if God in his sovereign wisdom decides to take it away from us or demands to give up, we join uh, with Job in saying, blessed be the name of God. He gives, he takes away. Instead of trusting these idols, verse 24, God says, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am God who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. Uh, here is a truth that you can bank your life on. Here is a truth by which you will never be put to shame or disappointed or, or feel like you've been deceived in the end when you look back. God is God who practices steadfast love. 
full of justice and righteousness, in whom there is no evil or shade of darkness. Don't let Satan ever doubt about God's steadfast love. Whenever you are tempted, uh, go back to Jeremiah 9.24. Get behind me, Satan. Uh, God is God who practices steadfast love. God is God who delights in love towards his people. God can always be trusted. And because of this truth about God... There is hope for people who are easily led astray by Satan's lies. Uh, the Apostle Paul quotes this passage in 1 Corinthians 1.31, our New Testament reading today. Uh, listen to the truth of this gospel. Uh, in verse 30, after speaking about how gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. You know, you know those who are following in the footsteps of Satan, they look at the gospel, they hear the gospel, and they think, that's stupid. That's because they are deceived. Uh, but for those of you guys who's known the truth, it's the power of God. And he comes uh, right down to verse 30 and says, because of him. And, and, and if we are reading 1 Corinthians 1 uh, with our understanding of Jeremiah 9, when you say because of him, we remember these words, because of God's steadfast love. Because God, God, God didn't lie to us. God remained the truth to his commitment towards people, uh, his commitment to bless the whole earth and renew them and redeem them uh, by his son. Because of him, uh, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Uh, that, that, that is the antidote against Satan's lies. Because of God's great love, Jesus Christ came to us from God, wisdom, sanctification, and redemption. But to boast in him, we must confess the truth about ourselves. Uh, we must come out of whatever hiding caves we are in. The Apostle John says these words in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 to 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar. His word is not in us. <laughs> He's saying, don't try to hide under a veneer of self-righteousness, appearance of religious godliness, or any sort of boasting or confidence in self-achievement, whether that be your intelligence or your power, your money. Don't do that, but rather confess the truth about yourself. You are no better than the people of Jeremiah's time. You've lied. You've followed in the footsteps of Satan. You, left to your own devices without Jesus Christ, always has a heart that is prone to be shunning away God. Confess the truth about yourself, knowing that God 
who loves steadfast love has given Jesus Christ to us, and that God of perfect justice and righteousness will not turn anyone who comes to him for forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. That is the truth. Jesus Christ is the only safe hiding place on the day of God's judgment, and God's judgment is coming. Anyone who tells you otherwise is a liar and a spokesman for Satan. Uh, Let me finish. Uh, We are no better than the people in Jeremiah's time, but there has been a radical change between their time and our time, and it is this. Christ Jesus became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That is the truth. And that takes us to verse 31 of 1 Corinthians 1. Let us boast in this truth. Let us fill our lips and fill our hearts with this truth of the gospel. Thanks be to God. Amen.